That's right. It's Monday night, special edition, Labor Day special. You the know, live we don't sports, do news, and entertainment you Labor love Day or show, less. But I figured I had to do a show tonight because the Nationals actually had a winning week, and I couldn't let that go by. I've covered this team all year, and it's been rough following this team all year with the season that they've had. But, um, yeah, they actually won four out of six games last week. So I was like, normally we don't do a show, but just because we went through the struggles of these losing weeks over and over again, and it's a week before football season, well, four days, three days before football season officially kicks off on Thursday. So I figured, why not do a show? Robbie G will be back, I believe, next week. And uh, if everything lines up correctly, I should be rolling out the CP3 Live from the Lab show Monday through Friday, starting hopefully next week, 10 a.m., between 30 minutes, 45 minutes, maybe even an hour, just recapping some of the sports that went on the night before and, you know, just talk some other stuff that anybody wants to talk about. But stay tuned. I believe Robbie G will be back in the booth. Next evening, uh, I mean, not next evening, uh, two weeks from football season kicks off for the Washington Commanders on the 11th, and it will be coming to you live on the 12th, as always, and I should be rolling out live on the lab that week if everything lines up like I'm hoping it should. Um, actually, the Nats, uh, if you're watching the video before, Nats, uh, as I said, had a good week last week, winning four out of six. And I uh, went in two out of three versus the Mets, and you just saw the video I put together for that. So we definitely want to recap that. And they played today. Uh, excuse me, I have a, what, a four-game series, I believe. Four-game series versus St. Louis. Uh, and they got a shutout today, six to nothing. So I'm going to go ahead and break that one down also since we, uh, you know, on a little roll now. Bear with me. I'm in here trying to work with some of the – All right. Yeah, so we can break down and recap this week that was and get into some of the week that started. Also, later, after I finish the Nationals coverage, I want to talk about the Commanders roster breakdown. I didn't uh, have a win on the record about the roster that's been in, like a Coach said, it would be a, a fluid roster. They've made some moves, made some acquisitions. So from the original post that I put out when the original roster was uh, rolled out last Tuesday, it's a few moving pieces, so uh, I'm going to update on that and give a little preview for the uh, upcoming game, week one game versus Jacksonville Jaguars, which uh, the Commanders are currently, I believe, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. But uh, it's not going to be a walk in the park, and I'm going to break that down, why it's not going to be a walk in the park. A lot of people think it would be. I felt confident, but then after looking at some intangibles, but I'm going to get into those when I get down into Commander's Talk. But let's go ahead and get into Nationals Talk because I know it's Labor Day and folks is uh, probably still getting their grub on watching wrestling like I am or watching some baseball because baseball season is wrapping up. And uh, currently the Nats are sitting 48 and 87. As I said last week, they went 4 and 2. They're starting off this week already 1 and 0. Uh, counting this game, they're 7 and 3 in the last 10. Uh, they've had a. Uh, three-game series versus the A's, and then they had a three-game series versus the Mets last week. A's, uh, you know, under 500 also, but, you know, they had talented squad and MLB. Uh, 
the first game of the series was the uh, victory for the A's. They won the game ten to six. They actually had a four. Uh, no, Nats actually had a four-one lead uh, going into the third, and then uh, unfortunately the bullpen faltered, as we've seen them do uh, several times in this uh, season. But uh, it was a ten-six loss. Uh, fortunately, they didn't weren't able to hold on to the lead. Uh, Cole Irwin earned the victory for the A's. That put him at seven and eleven. He went five and one third, giving up nine hits, five runs, six strikeouts, and a walk. Eric Fetty took the loss that dropped him to five and nine. He only lasted two and two thirds. He gave up nine hits, six runs, four strikeouts, and a walk. Um, in this game, he wasn't aggressive at all. He was staying outside too much. He you know, wasn't challenging the hitters, and they, uh, like I said, two and two-thirds, they got nine hits and six runs off of him. So, yeah, this wasn't a good start for him. He's been, you know, up and down, but he's, you know, say five and nine, not too bad. He uh, definitely uh, looked better today. Uh, we can't wait to break down that game. I mean, last night. Forgot they played again today. But, yeah, <laughs> can't wait to break down the game from uh, the night before, uh, the performance that he uh, put up. Uh, in the bottom of the first, uh, Lane Thomas hit a solo home run, and Nelson Cruz had a sacrifice fly. In the bottom of the second, Lane Thomas had an uh, RBI single, and Joey Menezes had an RBI double. And then in the bottom of the fourth, Menezes had an RBI double again. <laughs> and that's when, after that point, they had a four-run lead, four-to-one lead, and unfortunately, uh, yeah, things didn't get any better. No, they went down four one because again it was six one to two thirds. I can't read longhand right now. It's a part of me. It's been a crazy day today. And in the eighth, um, Luis Garcia hit a solo home run to account for the six runs that the Nats put up on the board. But unfortunately, they lost ten to six. Uh, the second game of the series was a five to one victory for the Nationals. Uh, Anibal Sanchez earned his first win of the season. That put him at one and five. He looked like that Sanchez of old from the uh, World Series uh, season, he uh, lasted to the seventh inning, only gave up one run, uh, changed speeds well, location was there, and the fastball was enough to get around, to get over, uh, for him to get the victory. And he went, like I said, seven innings, gave up three hits, one run, with four strikeouts and three walks. And uh, the other guy, I can't even try to pronounce his name, James, Capra Leon, I believe it is. <laughs> uh, he took the loss that dropped him to three and nine. He went five and two thirds, giving up seven hits, five runs. The two of those earned with three strikeouts and no walks. And the top of the fifth, oh yeah, the Mets, the Nets, jeez. The Nets put up five runs in the, uh, no, put up four runs, I'm sorry, in the uh, fourth and the fifth inning. Uh, Palacio, who was a recent uh, call up. Got an RBI single. Luis Garcia, he got an RBI single. And Luke Voigt hit a two-run home run in the uh, fifth. And then in the sixth, Vargas uh, hit an RBI double. And Vargas, that dude, he he had a hell of a week uh, at the plate, in the field. If you, uh, like I said, check out the video that I played before the show. He's made plays, you know, since he's got on the field. He's been, you know, kind of like a spark for this team. And... We haven't seen as many errors coming from the infield as we were before. Uh, Garcia playing second. Got C.J. Abrams playing uh, shortstop along with um, Vargas.
Vargas. You know, they change up. Sometimes Vargas is at third. So it's good to see, you know, you see some improvement because, I know, like I said, the last 10 games, they're 7-3. and three. We haven't been able to say that in a long time for this team. And um, last game of the series, Nats found a way to uh, pull it out and win in the uh, extra innings. A seven to five win in uh, ten. It was uh, actually uh, Joey Manessez walk off, uh, three run home run that won the game. I'm still trying to see if that's the first walk off of the season for the Nets. I haven't been able to get that information. I can't remember any other walk off <laughs> come from behind wins this season so far. But uh, it was a three run home run in the top of the tenth. It was a uh, I watched that game and yeah, it was a. Uh, it reminded you of the Nats of the World Series uh, season. Like I said, you get glimpses and flashes of what this team can be throughout the season, and this was uh, reminded me of that magical run, the way that the Nats would always find a way to come back. And, you know, no matter what happens, you know, the, the, the top of the inning or the inning before, they would find a way to, you know, get, get the man on and get him across the plate to either tie the game or win the game. And uh, we saw that this game. Uh, Hunter Harvey. Got the win. That was his first win of the season. I put him at uh, his first win of the season. He went one inning. He went one hit, two runs. One of those earned two strikeouts and two walks. Nor Norhe, I guess Ruiz took the loss. That put him at zero one. He went two thirds of an inning, giving him two hits, four runs. Three of those earned with one strikeout and one walk. And the top of the first, Manessez had an RBI single. And the seventh, uh, Cruz. Had a fielder's choice uh, that a run scored on. Uh, the Nets were down at that point. Then uh, Vargas hits an RBI single in the top of the eighth. I mean, the bottom of the eighth to tie the game up to force extra innings and get to the extra innings. Um, Oakland puts up two runs in the top of the uh, top of the ten. And at that point, I'm like, oh, man, you know, the Nets, the Nets been struggling to get hits. They better bring their closer in. You know, this might not be a good look. You know, there goes the series. And uh, like I said, we've seen this happen before. The bullpen give up some uh, runs. And unfortunately, we don't have the offensive firepower that we're used to seeing that we would normally see this team come back on the regular. But lo and behold, as I said, Joey Manessez hit a, a three-run home run in the bottom of the 10th to – Secure the series and secure the win. Seven to five. Nets win. Go into the series with the Mets on a high note after winning two out of three. And surprisingly, seven was the number in this series because every game the winner scored at least scored seven runs. Um, the first game was a seven to three loss to the Mets. Uh, my Michael Gibbons uh, earned the victory. I put him at seven to three. He went in and in two thirds, giving him no hits or runs, with one strikeout and a walk. Josiah Gray took the loss. That put him at seven and nine. He went five innings, giving up six hits, six runs, two strikeouts and two walks. Um, yeah, the, oh, the bullpen. That's right. In this game, it's in the bullpen. Uh, gave up four runs. In the sixth inning, the game was tied, and uh, unfortunately, uh, the bullpen faltered once again and wasn't able to uh, put any zeros up. As soon as Gray came out, 
that's when they gave up. That's uh, I forgot this guy who came. I think it was Mr. No Machado's on the IL. He just came off. I'm asked to remember which pitcher came in. He inherited a runner, so that's why the loss was that attributed to Gray. But I kind of remember which uh, pitcher came in. But uh, he didn't do a good job. He inherited runners that scored. And, yeah, 7-3 was the final score. And the top of the third, uh, Lane Thomas. Oh, yeah, Lane Thomas was a crazy score. Uh, Lane Thomas was uh, struck out at the plate. Robles was on third, but uh, it was a swinging strike, strikeout, and the ball got away from the catcher. And in the meanwhile of all of that happened, and Robles took off from third to try to score because it was still a live ball, two outs. And because it was a swinging strikeout, they had you no know, Lane Thompson running to the first base. They missed throw on the ball. Boom. Robles scores. Lane Thomas is on uh, first base. <laughs> it was crazy. But it was a good way to get the game started, the scoring started, and unfortunately it just didn't go well. That that crazy way it scored, it didn't transpire well for the rest of the game. In the fifth, uh, Adam Call had an RBI single, and in the sixth, Vargas had an RBI double. That's when the score was tied, and then after that, the wheels fell off. Then going into the second game, facing Max Scherzer, I already was like, wow, this is <laughs> this is going to be hard. I already you know, don't like facing Max. I know what he can do, but uh, the Nets found a way to get the win. It was a 7-1 victory. Max actually left the game early with uh, left side tightness. Uh, he said it wasn't really an injury or anything, but he just felt like it was tight. Earlier in the year, he had an oblique injury that took that had him out for a while. So he came out uh, just to be preventive maintenance in the game. They were up, I believe, but uh, the Nets put up five runs in the top of the ninth to blow the game wide open and beat them 7-1. to one. Patrick Corbin put together his second consecutive start that he won in a row. That puts him at 6-17. He's still the majors uh, loss leader. But he's won two in a row, and he's had, uh, I believe, in his last six starts. He's uh, definitely uh, pitched way better. And he has had his location. And also, they said they uh, changed his day in the rotation. Uh, took him out of pitching every five days. I don't know if it was every four days or every six days. But all I know, they said that they took him off every five days. And ever since they did that, it's uh, he's been improving. Uh, he went seven innings, only gave up three hits, one run with five strikeouts in the walk. Uh, Adam Adetavino. Took the loss that put him at five and three. He went one inning, giving up two hits, one run with no strikeouts or walks. And uh, like I said, uh, Nat started out early in his game fast. Uh, guard Luis Garcia started out hitting a solo home run off of uh, Max Scherzer. He's second, uh, first pitch, second man at the plate. And uh, apparently Garcia is three for four going against uh, Mac, Mad Mac. Uh, as I said, the game. Uh, it was a one to nothing up until that point. I mean, it was one to nothing in the first. Then Lane Thomas hit a solo home run in the uh, top of the eighth, which gave the Nets the lead because they were tied at one. Then went up two one, and that's it. In the ninth, they put up five runs. Uh, Palacio had an RBI single. Abr CJ Abrams had a two run RBI single, and Lane Thomas had an RBI single to account for all seven runs the Nets put up. And they were looking to uh, 
get the series win, the last game of the series, which was yesterday. And ironically, the final score of this game was 7-1 also. So like I said, seven's wild. The first game was a 7-3 loss. Second game was a 7-1 win. And now the third game of the series was a 7-1 win. And as I said, Eric Fetty bounced back very nicely in this game as he uh, got the win. He uh, goes to 6-9. and nine. He, had, he went six innings, only giving up four hits, one run with two strikeouts and a walk. Carlos, Carac Carlos I'm sorry, Carrasco took the loss. That drops him to 13-6. and six. He went uh, seven and two-thirds, giving up six hits, five runs, one of those earned with two strikeouts and two walks. Uh, in the first inning, Garcia got it started again early with the RBI single. Uh, Cabot Ruiz had a two-run RBI single in the third. And then uh, Vargas followed up with a two-run RBI double uh, to follow that up. And then in the top of the fifth, Cesar Hernandez put an exclamation point on the game. With a two-run homer, his first home run of the season. Last year, he had 21. This year, he hit his first home run in, on September 4th. So, if you saw the video, he said they gave him the silent treatment. That's one of the baseball, you know, one of the things that they do in those situations. If you check out the video, you heard him break it down on the uh, footage. But, um, yeah, it was a good week for the Nationals. We see some of the players <coughs> that we've acquired and some of the players that we've called up have been you know, playing pretty well. C.J. Abrams has uh, been contributing offensively and defensively. Like I said, once he, since he moved to the shortstop position, uh, it's kind of short up the infield. Uh, Luke Voigt hasn't been an issue ever since uh, he's been at first base. He's been solid. Um, uh, Palacio, he's been in the lineup recently. He's been uh, solid in the field and contributing at the plate. Vargas, you know, like I said, he's had a great week being all over the place offensively and defensively. Uh, so it's some, you know, some bright spots to look at for the Nats team. You know, it's actually, you know, good to talk about a positive week for them instead of, you know, three and four and two and four and one and five. So yeah, it was definitely, uh, that's why I said I had to come on there and do a quick Nats uh, recap of the week. And let me go ahead and break down today's game which was, as I said, a 6 nothing shutout over the Cardinals in St. Louis. Anibal Sanchez won his second game in a row. Uh, pitched pretty well. He uh, puts him at 2-5. and five. He went five innings, giving up two hits, no runs, with three strikeouts and two walks. Jack Flurry took the loss. That dropped him to 0-1. Uh, he went five innings, giving up six hits, one run, six strikeouts, <laughs> excuse me, and a walk. And Mason Thompson earned his first save. Uh, of the season, he went three innings, giving up one hit, no runs, with one strikeout, and no walks. In the top of the third, Lane Thomas had an RBI single. In the sixth, the Nets put up four runs. Uh, Thomas Lane Thomas walked in, uh, walked in a run with uh, the bases loaded. Then Luis Garcia had an RBI single. Joey Menezes had an RBI single, and Luke Voigt had a uh, sacrifice fly to account for four runs in that inning. And then Kbert Ruiz hit a solo home run in the top of the eighth for his seventh of the year to make the score six nothing, which was the final score of the game and to get the Nats week started going in the right direction against St. Louis with a six nothing shutout victory, which I'm always happy about, especially on the road. I hate getting shut out at home, but I love when they shut out people on the road. And for the rest of the week's schedule, 
Uh, you have three more games in St. Louis. Tomorrow is a 7.45 start. Wednesday is a 7.45 start. And Thursday is a 1.15 start. And Friday, they travel to Philadelphia for a three-game weekend series starting on Friday with a 7.05 start. Saturday is a 6.05. And Sunday is 1.05. So the Nets have a couple of series against the Mets and the Braves to finish up the season, I believe, after... They play Philly. They have the Orioles for two next week, and then I believe they have the Mets, Braves, and the Mets again after the schedule. I know they're coming up, and the Mets and the Braves are fighting for first place. Uh, as of today, uh, before the game started, the Braves are only back one game behind the Mets. So uh, things are going to get real tight, and hopefully uh, the Washington Commanders can – I'm sorry, not Washington Commanders, Washington, I'm sorry. <laughs> I've set up video, and I looked at the commanders. I was going to say Nationals. But the Nationals are playing, uh, you know, play spoiler to some of these teams that's looking to get into the postseason. Unfortunately, they're not going to make it, and hopefully they don't hit the 100-loss plateau, which always sucks. But they're close to it, but they've been playing better ball, so we'll see how things go. And on that note, I'm going to finish up Nats talk. I'm about to go ahead and transition into Commander's talk. I'm about to play a quick video with the roster when they first came out. Transition some things over and get right back. So uh, stay tuned. CP3 live from the lab. Be back in about a minute and a half. Cam Sims with the score. Normally, this time of, in the preseason, you have a pretty good idea who's going to be on the three-man roster. And down to the one-yard line. We thought that might be the outcome of the replay as we looked on it from our view from the booth, brought to you by Gold Vision. Regular season is right around the corner. Starts on Thursday night with uh, what is it with the Rams and the Bills going at it on Thursday night football. And we have week one with the Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Washington Commanders. It's going to be a very interesting game. Uh, I'm <laughs> I'm not sure where I'm leaning right now. I need to you know look at some look at some tape and see some things. Go back and look at some of the preseason games, especially the third one. 
I really didn't check it out too much because they're so vanilla and so bland. But um, fuck it, I'll go ahead and talk about the Jacksonville Mavs and then break down the roster. So my big, my main concern is uh, Doug Peterson, the head coach. He's a outstanding offensive coordinator and play caller. And when he was in Philly, we saw what he used to and what he has done to Jack Del Rio when he was there. So my my main my biggest concern is that I need to I don't I'm not sure what Jack Del Rio is going to employ with this new four two five defense. Um, it's a it's an opportunistic defense if you have the personnel, and I believe we have the personnel to run this defense. But the question is, is Del Rio going to put these guys in a situation in a position to win and be successful using this scheme? Because we have the talent, we have the you know the, the secondary, and we have the the line that can do what needs to be done. But if you don't have a coordinator that's putting them in a position to win, that's game planning and strategizing and trying to find ways to disrupt the offense and not be reactionary or react to what's going on instead of you know trying to force the action or force the hand, then you're already behind the eight ball to start to start off the break. And then you're dealing with someone that's uh, you know a good offensive mind, a good game for a good game planner, a good game you know can call the game well and knows and knows your team because he was in the division for a while, and the fact that he knows Carson Wentz, which is a fact that I didn't even think about. Somebody pointed out like, yeah, this isn't going to be a you know a cakewalk, you know, especially if the defense isn't firing on all cylinders the way you know we need them to be. We've known this team to. Constantly come out the gate slow on offense and defense, and it's just getting old. So I know coach has been, you know, talking about tempo, talking about the way you practice, the way you play, taking it more seriously, all of the, you know, celebrating after making the play, all of that stuff. He's like, you know, it's cool, but you know, this is that's one play. You have to play that every every down. So if you want to get excited about making one play, you know, you need to make plays every play. So it's going to be an interesting season with the uh, schedule that they have uh, with a lot of the question marks on uh, defense and offense. You know, we have the talent on paper, but is it going to translate on the field, which has always been an issue for this team and has always been, uh, you know, barometer for any team. Anybody can look good on paper and they have all the players and all the stats and all this and that. But if you came in on the field, it means absolutely nothing. So that's that's one of my main concerns. Um, like I said, getting off to a fast start. Um, offense, you know, moving the ball and actually scoring touchdowns. And, you know, seeing what this offense can really do under Scott Turner. Because the same goes for him with his play calling and his strategizing. Now he has uh, a full toolbox of weapons that he can use excuse me, and utilize, and I'm hoping that he does in the right way and put these guys in a position to win and be successful. You know, we know that Wentz likes to throw the ball down the field, but we also know that, you know, we have playmakers that can get the ball in space and make people miss and take the ball, you know, take it to the house, you know, 80 yards, 100 yards, if they, you know, depending on where we are. So, I mean, it's, uh, I'm always going to look on the optimistic side of it because we can look at the negative side of it and go, well, we don't know this and we don't know. So all we can do is wait and see. But going up against Jacksonville, they made some, you know, moves in the offseason. They spent some money. 
And, you know, they have a young quarterback that they just drafted last year that they're looking to take into the next level. That's why they brought in Peterson, who, you know, like I said, a great offensive, offensively-minded coach. So, uh, yeah, I will be tuned in, checking it out. And you can always check out the pregame show and the postgame show, streaming live on my YouTube channel and on my on the Facebook channel, youtube.com forward slash Carol Porter the third with three eyes. Streaming live before and after the game each and every week of the NFL season, even going into the playoffs if the team gets to the playoffs. Um, that's pretty much all I really want to get into about the game because, like I said, I had the pregame show. Uh, so I'll be doing my keys to victory and, you know, tell of the tape with these teams with a you know, tape right now. This is the first game. And just uh, give my preview for this game and see how things go. And we'll quickly go through the roster breakdown. Um, like I said, it's been a fluid thing. They've added a couple pieces after the original uh, roster cut. So I'm going to just go through it uh, real quickly by position, name the players, and, you know, just see why I feel about the, each position group. Uh, quarterbacks, they kept three, which everyone expected. Uh, Heineke, Wentz, and Howe. How if they were to try to get him on a practice squad, he would not have made it. So that's why they weren't even going to try to, uh, you know, release him and make so they feel more comfortable having three quarterbacks, which, you know, with this team, <laughs> we've seen that had to happen a few times. Uh, running back, uh, they kept four. I didn't speak about the Brian Robinson Jr. situation with him getting shot. And from if you saw the video from the medical breakdown that I posted, uh, it was basically a miracle that the bullet went through his knee and didn't hit any ligaments, any bone, or anything, and that he's still eligible to play this year. They put him on a non-football-related injury list, so he'll be out until at least week five. If they put him on IR, it will be at least the seventh week of the season, maybe longer. So he's uh, he made the team. You also have uh, Antonio Gibson, as, in, as always, J.D. McKissick, and Jonathan Williams made the squad. Jared Patterson uh, got released, but he was able to make it to the practice squad. I know a lot of fans were shocked and upset that he had got cut, but luckily he made it to the practice squad. Most of the players that they released uh, made it to the practice squad, which goes for most teams in the league because they changed the practice squad rules this year. Normally, before pre-COVID, it was just players with no more than six games experience in any given season at one season could not be put in a practice squad. But now you have veterans on a practice squad because of the COVID protocols. People get sick. You can call up people from the practice squad to help out your team. So uh, it's definitely a, a bonus to have that, especially with the situation and with the league year expanding by one year, uh, one game. So, you know, they're trying to find a way to, you know, deal with the current situation and how things are. Uh, wide receivers, they kept six. Uh, Dotson, Diami Brown, Curtis Samuel, Dax Milne made the team. Um, Terry McLaurin and Cam Sims. I was kind of sure that Cam was going to make it when they re-signed him, but he is the one of the bigger wide receivers. I think the biggest wide receiver that we had. Uh, so, you know, we saw him make some plays on the video you just saw. He made that you know, nice nine-yard touchdown catch from Tyler Heineke. He had two plays after he got, you know, Lit up going across the middle because, unfortunately, that's what Heineke does. Sometimes he sets these guys up because he doesn't see the defender over the lineman because, unfortunately, he's not the tallest guy in the room. 
But neither here nor there. He made the team and hopefully see some good things from his wide receiving core. Because uh, they definitely are going to be the catalyst to make this offense go. Uh, tight ends, they kept five. Uh, Logan Thomas has been cleared off the pup list, but uh, they're not sure. It's been status come week one. They're saying that they're still hoping that he'll be ready for week one. And they're waiting to see. Um, uh, Curtis Hodges. I mean, set. Thank you, Curtis. Yeah, Curtis Hodges. I'm sorry. Um, he made the team. He had a good preseason. Cole Turner, rookie. He made the team. They said that you know he had a uh, was it a calf uh, pull, but they said that he was healthy. It was being preventive maintenance with him, and he should be ready to go week one. Uh, you still have John Bates, and then you have Armani Rogers, who's actually a quarterback, another quarterback turned tight end, just like Logan Thomas and Jordan Reed, who was you know ex. Washington player. Um, he made the squad, and because of uh, Bates was still out, Turner was out, and Thomas was out, they decided to go with five. And, you know, one of my favorite formations is, you know, two or three tight end sets. You can throw out of it, you can run out of it, play action pass if you have quality tight ends that can catch, get them involved in the game, play action pass to the wide receiver over the top because they're worried about the running game if you can run out of it. So I'm hoping with them keeping five tight ends and Scott Turner is going to realize, you know, two and three tight end sets, you know, can be your best friend, especially in short down the distance. So then, you know, you're trying to move that ball and run the clock out and get, get that kind of possession. Um, and last part of the offense, uh, nine offensive linemen. Uh, the line was one of the stronger points of this team last year, even though a lot of people don't realize that and talk down on them. They were in another six. Uh, according to PFF, which grades all the NFL teams, lines, every position. Um, Trey Turner, he's uh, Andrew Norwall, Wes Schweitzer, Charles Leno, Chase Rouillier, Chris Paul, the rookie, uh, Cosme, um, Charles Leno, why oh, did I say Charles? Um, Sadiq Charles, I'm sorry. And uh, Cornelius Lucas round out the offensive lineman. Uh, like I said, I, I, I like this, you know, I like the mix. Uh, they only have, uh, on the whole roster, they only have four players over 30 years old, so we can say the youth movement and the rebuild is in full effect. And going to the defensive side of the ball, uh, defensive, in, defensive end, this is where it kind of threw me off, is for the defensive end and defensive tackle. They had Daniel Wise listed as an end, but they also listed him as a tackle. So I'm not sure if he's going to be playing both because officially they only have three defensive tackles on the roster right now. So I guess Wise might be saying that he can play both the three position and the defensive end. So as of right now with Chase Young on the pup list, they are carrying, I'll just say five defensive ends. Uh, Shaka Tony, Montez Sweat, Casey Tuhill, um, Smith Williams, and F.A. Obata. Defensive tackles, you know, you got Allen, Payne, Mathis, the rookie, and Daniel Wise, who I just mentioned. Uh, linebackers, which is everybody's, you know, most of the, some of the fan base are upset saying we don't have quality linebackers and boom, boom, boom. But as I said, they're running a 4-2-5, which means you have two linebackers on the field, you have three safeties, two corners, and you have physical safeties that can play the run and still cover, which this team believes they have in the rookie Percy Butler and with the corner Christian Holmes. They have flexibility. You have that Buffalo nickel that Brian loves to use in his defense. And what I'm hoping is that Jack Del Rio is going to allow this to 
open up this defense and be more creative and be more aggressive and blitz and get pressure on a quarterback. I mean, I did see some nice things in the preseason where I saw Sweat in different places when he was rushing. He wasn't always on one side. He was always center. He was always guard. He was on the left side. He was on the right side. The few snaps that he was out there, they was moving around. So that's an encouraging sign for me. Um, but the linebackers, John Bossett, re-signed last week after he got released by the, the Saints. Um, you got Milo Eifler, Cole Holcomb, David Mayo, and Jamin Davis. Uh, he's He looked good um, in the weak side linebacker position, showing his speed, closing down, uh, taking a tackle for loss, blew up a play in the backfield. So there's a lot of upside. There's a lot of upside. Um, cornerbacks, they kept, they kept four originally and acquired two. Uh, after they were released from their team and didn't clear waivers or practice squad, so they actually purged two players from another some other teams that they said will probably be contributors on our squad. Uh, you have Kendall Fuller, as I mentioned, Christian Holmes, a rookie, William Jackson, Benjamin St. Juice, a second-year player. Uh, you got Castro Fields and Wild Goose, I believe. Those were the two players that they uh, picked up. I think one was off of the 49ers and the other one was off of the Saints, I believe. And they said that they would be contributors to the defense. They, you know, they have a good sign about them. I did a you know, little bit of looking at some of them. And out of uh, Castro Fields guy, you know, they said that he was a, a steal. He was actually a, a 2021 pick. He was on the practice squad. Got called up, put back down. Somebody else tried to pick him up and put him on the starting lineup, which you have to do. If you purge him off the practice squad, they have to be on your active roster. And he made that the roster, but then went back down to practice squad. So they say he's a quality defender, game changer, and can definitely help their defense. I know they were weak at uh, numbers for the defensive back cornerback position. And at safety, they kept five. You got Cam Curl, Bobby McCain, Derek Forrest, Percy Butler, the rookie who I was talking about, and Jeremy Reeves, who's been around this team for like the last three years on a practice squad. He started some, he's played some. But he finally made the 53-man roster, which is the first time he's done that. So congratulations to him. He's always staying positive and encouraging. Even when he wasn't on the team, he would still be tweeting out positive things during the game. I follow him on Twitter. And uh, they say that he's a real uh, real cool uh, and smart football player. And he's definitely going to help this defense and special teams. And on special teams, uh, you got Tress Wade, Cameron Cheeseman, and Joey Slide. Uh, with Slide, like I said, he's didn't instill the most confidence in me for the uh, preseason. Uh, he did beat out his competition. It was brought in early, so coach has confidence in him. So uh, until he misses a kick during a real regular season game, uh, he, you know, he's a thousand percent right now. So I'm not going to hate on him. Just hope that he's uh, locked in and on point this year because you know this fan base, you probably missing some kicks, but they're ready to fire you and run you out of town and bring in somebody else. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting season, 2022. Right around the corner for the football season. So, as always, like I say, we'll have the pre and post game shows for the commanders before and after every game. Uh, tune in for CP3 Live at the Lab starting next week. I mean, yeah, next week, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. And make sure you check out Sports and Things Podcast to, uh, next Monday night, 7. I mean, no, why? 7 o'clock, the old, old time. 9 o'clock, as always, and then the following week, I believe Robbie G will be back. Oh, and next week's week 11. Yeah, so next week, 
I'm just trying to build it on this. But yeah, Robbie G will be back in the building and another show as always. So as always, we appreciate you checking out Sports in the Hill. I wanted to get on and get off real quick. I know it's a holiday. Uh, and everybody's chilling with their family and everything. Hope everybody was safe. Had a good holiday and a good good grub on the grill. The one day that you're supposed to grill, I didn't get a chance to grill today. So that's an ironic, ain't it? But as always, I'm about to get out of here with some uh, independent music videos, throw some renegade tracks on and get up out of here. Make sure you check out the YouTube channel, go follow and subscribe. YouTube.com forward slash Carol Fuller third. Three eyes, not the number three. Follow my Instagram, my Carol Porter, my Twitter, Carol Porter, uh, CPTV, CE Porter the third underscore Sports O2P or Tattoo Scorpio. Uh, just hashtag, just Google hashtag CP3 and it'll come up. All of my information, just Google me. That's where I spell it. Check out the website, sportsotxp.com for all the episodes. I believe Robbie has it updated. I'll have the show updated to the podcast and platforms, uh, if not by tonight, tomorrow morning. Make sure you check them out. Make sure you check out At The Bar Radio, Sundays at 6 o'clock. We had a great show last night with Super Cool Cat. You can check that out on my YouTube channel. We went about three hours. You know, I had a good time cutting up, talking music, drinking, and you know, having some fun. So make sure you check out the show, Sundays at 6 o'clock. And DC Sports Letter Politics. It's not just a catchphrase. It's not just a motto. It's what we do. CP3 live from the lab, and I'm out. See you next week.